I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. It's Thursday. I wanted to start with something slightly different. How was that? Uh, I mean, it was different. Correct. <laughs> I just, you know, catchphrases. I didn't want to... I'm going to go back to what I used to do. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Thursday. We're back, and it's time for the second tier of running backs. And there is no news. Nothing has happened. The barrel is dry. I mean, some would say that it was because we recorded this immediately after we recorded the RB1s, and therefore what has happened in between is nothing, because nothing happened. Some would say there's just been no news for the last two days. Some would say that maybe coronavirus has stopped all news worldwide from happening, because it's all coronavirus all the time. And we're just We'll hung- let you draw your own conclusions. Yeah. The fact that we are now hunkered down in Five Yard Studios. It's just the three of us. Shout out on that. If you want to sponsor the studio, we can talk. Like if anybody out there has a business that wants to sponsor the name of the studio. Plenty of wall space. There's plenty of wall space. Uh drop us a line. Let us know. At Five Yard Rush. We're always looking for new sponsorship opportunities where people are willing to uh, this is prime help. real estate, bro. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's in Surrey, not far from the Surrey Hills. Um, we've got a Tesco nearby, but also is... could be anywhere in the world. So, you are, if you are international, this could be Mumbai or Los Angeles or downtown Tokyo. This could be wherever you want it to be, 
Or we shout are. out in Montreal. If you fancy yourself in this action, <laughs> you know where we are. But yeah, give us a call because we can. We like people who want to sponsor us. <laughs> Invest in the future. Invest in Five Yard. That's it. Right, Murph. Let's do some running back twos. Yeah, so let's, let's pick up where we left off. So we went through last time Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Mark Ingram II, Leonard <laughs> Fournette, Chris Carson, Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley. Question Did Mark Ingram the first play in the NFL? No. Damn. Um, this time around, we're going to go through 17 running backs just to be awkward. Question Sure. But the second, isn't that normally just junior? Yeah, but some people like to be the second. I mean, I could have mentioned the Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley the third. Um, but I didn't. I'm just fickle like that. The third? Yeah, he's Todd Gurley three. I thought he was Todd Gurley two. No, Ronald Jones is Ronald Jones two. That doesn't mean he's the only two and somebody else can't be. <laughs> uh, you, you never know. Lee, fact check this, please. Right, in at 13 is Alvin Kamara. He had 189 points through 13 games, averaged 14.6, was drafted as the 2.3 third... Basically the third running back off the board. Almost the third running back off the board. He had two MVP weeks, nine solid weeks, and two bust weeks. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, he um, didn't perform. He was the one of the big four that you uh, really suffered on. I mean, you suffered with Saquon, but... At least he, he pulled you some weeks out, whereas Alvin Kamara really struggled. Um, I think there's a few factors to this in the sense of, yes, there was an injury. Um, there was an injury in there, which um, came at a really awkward time. And again, I think he was another candidate who rushed back too quickly. Yep. Um, I think I talked about this on the Look Ahead pods. that He just didn't look right um, when he was running. Um, and he just really looked like he was carrying that injury through the first few games back. Um, he also had more competition in Latavius Murray, who during those weeks was carrying through um, some reasonable production in there. Um, ultimately as well, he really suffered when Drew Brees got injured and was getting balls from Teddy Bridgewater. That massively affected production as well. So a lot of this is a statistical outlier. Um, but there are some things. The, the thing I really take away from this is Two MVP weeks, nine solid weeks. Um, yes, I do think that with Drew Brees for another year, this could revert more to a higher number. Uh, ultimately, he's better than where he is at 13. But I am slightly concerned that he might struggle to get in the top five next year. Ooh, that's so spicy. Um, I, just, I just look at that ratio of... Two to nine when you've got Dalvin Cook, seven to six, even Zeke Elliott four to ten, and that was a fitness thing that could easily swing six to eight. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara two to nine is a big, yeah, yeah. it's a big gap to to really try and push through to break from. Uh, for me, I'm looking at a player. If I'm going to draft him, if I'm going to include him in that elite class of fantasy football um, running backs, he needs to be pushing. 50% MVP games and given that there's more tread on those tyres now um, there's more injuries there's potentially more competition for targets if they draft a, a wide receiver which is something that's possible I know in your mock uh, you're drafting them a wide receiver um, Do you know by the time my mock goes out we would have told everybody every pick I've decided <laughs> Well yeah but this 
it might already be out. We it might know. have dropped this morning. So, my my point on this is that I think Alvin Kamara is a very safe top six, top seven uh, running back. Mm-hmm. Do I think he's at that elite level I, at this point? A few doubts are in my mind. Okay. So, and it's, it, again, similar to Todd Gurley, there's a lot of safety there. There's a lot of I've got. I've got no problem if I'm at the end of the first round and he's there. I've got absolutely no problem hammering that button. Oh, uh, good lord! If Alvin Kamara is there at the end of the first round, the world's gone to. Well, you say that, but I just no, 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 no. no. Recency bias. Okay, people... so here's here's a question for me. Yeah. Okay. I can you take him in the first six picks of a draft? At what pick do you take Alvin Kamara? So I'm not taking him at one. I wouldn't take him in the top three because I'd have McCaffrey, uh, Barkley, and Elliot as my one, two, three. Right. Is it fair to say that Michael Thomas is above him? It depends on the... Michael Thomas had a severe year last year. But nothing's changed. If he gets competition, he's not going to really suffer all that much. Hmm... I think I would. I would think I would still take him over Michael Thomas. See, I wouldn't. I Just... bang. I bang Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas for me is probably the one hundred four. I think the three running backs you've mentioned, you can argue the toss any way you like. Into I think McCaffrey's one, Barkley's two, Elliott's three. I the one hundred four. Now listen, the way I play fantasy football, I would probably still look at fourth running back there. <clears throat> but I also can see the, the merit in taking the wide receiver who is so far ahead of every other wide receiver and think that that's also possible again. Yeah, so I, I feel you. I do. I just, I want one of the good running backs at that position. A hundred percent. But so, okay. What about Austin Eckler? See, that depends on what happens to Melvin Gordon. And who's well, I think I think Melvin Gordon's gone. Okay, so th- if he's gone, it depends. I think he's who's... gone. I think you can pretty much safely assume at this stage, Melvin Gordon is gone. You we don't to... know who's under centre, but we know that Melvin Gordon is is pretty much finished in in LA. That's that's where I'd be. If, but then I don't know who lands under centre would change. I mean, you'll know that information. Yeah, no, I I, I do know that, but. I mean, we will know that, but I don't know if that changes my opinion on this. Like, I don't know who could go there to change my opinion more or less on Austin Eckler. I think because of his pass-catching ability, I'm not sure it affects him that much. No. Let's just say Tom Brady, for instance, does go to the Chargers. Then you know he's going to get the ball a lot. Exactly, because of James White, he'll be the yeah, same yeah. sort of thing. But better. In fact, yeah, I think... I. Okay, I could take Eckler as my fourth running back then. Right. So then... Derek Henry's a gone. He, I'm not taking... I'll take fine. Kamara Nick, above him. Nick Chubb? I would take Kamara above him again. Just okay. because if Kareem Hunt plays a full season, maybe Chubb gets hurt slightly. Mark Ingram's not going to finish at eight. I would take him above Noodles. I'd take him above Chris Carson. Yeah, I, I, I think where you're now at, I, I, I have no problem. I think for me, there's some interesting... So I, I think for me... The the conversation. So okay, Davin Cook is not one we've mentioned. <laughs> See, I think for me, you, you're looking based on the based on some things that we do not have, right? Cook, Camara, 
and Eckler could all be within the throw of each other. And then you've got to add in for me, Thomas, Nuke mm. Hopkins, Devontae Adams. So I think you've got you've got a group of six there that you I like for me, if someone is banging Alvin Kamara at the one oh nine or ranking him at the one oh nine, that wouldn't shock me. No, no, okay. And this is where drafting by tiers works well as well. Because if you've got Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, or uh, Alvin Kamara, and they're your second tier of running backs, for instance, and two of them have gone, but you, if you eradicate the names from the issue and you just have the numbers and you're satisfied with any of those three numbers, then you should be satisfied with any of those three picks. Yeah, I think it's safe to say Alvin Kamara, based on last year, based on injury concerns, based on volume. But do you think he has injury concerns? Or do you just think he had an injury last year? I'm slightly concerned of injuries. Not overly, but I'm also aware of the fact that he has competition there as well. Um, I think for me, last year that was that was a top four. that You, it, you could have made a case for any one of them. I think CMC, easy 101, lock. Right, no questions asked. Barkley for me is a 102. I think for me, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Zeke for me is the one hundred and three. Again, I think no. I think for me, all each of those are almost their own tier. So I would say CMC is in a tier of his own. Yes, I'd say Barkley is in a tier of his own, and then I would say Elliot is in a tier of his own. Really, a hundred percent. Because what I like with Elliot is Elliot, despite holding out, despite having no, um, no off season, no training camp, and looking pretty sluggish at the start of the season. Still not only came in as the RB4, but still delivered MVP games, solid games with no bus games. Or you won. And it's only going to get better under Mike McCarthy. Because we know how Mike McCarthy likes to run his offense. So I think for me, he's the massive winner of the offseason. I think for me, I'm comfortable putting him in his own tier at the 103. as the third running back. Then for me, you've got a tier where I think it is Cook Eckler at this point without knowing any more, and Kamara, and I think they're all in a tier. I can argue the 104 for Kamara, given his, what he has done in the last couple of years. I can make the case for Cook based on his natural ability and what he did last year. I can make the case for Eckler based on uh, just his catching volume, and he caught nearly 1,000 yards uh, last year. Okay. I, and I can make it, So for me, when I can start to make cases for alternate players, that for me is a tier. And I think those three... I could even see myself putting Chubb, depending on what happens with Hunt. Stand down, my just friend. Just purely on, purely on volume, I can see Hunt entering that. I don't think he's there, there for me yet, but I can see that. I haven't done my tears, so I'm just kind of working this out on the fly. But I, the one thing I can tell you now is Kamara is narrowed down from last year for me. And I, and I, I can't see a route to get him back into the same tier as Zeke. I, absolutely not. This is why I love doing this podcast. Whether it's last year, I would have had Zeke as my 104. I learned so much. No. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, I get you. Okay. Fair enough. Right, moving on to 14. It's Miles Sanders, last year's rookie for the Philadelphia Eagles. He had 187.1 points through 15 games, averaging just 12.5 a game. Three MVP games, four solid games, and then a whopping eight bus games. <laughs> Yeah, so this this is what I alluded to on Tuesday's show, that those bus games do have a story behind it. Um, 
early part of the season, he was behind Jordan Howard. Mm. So he was playing. He probably wouldn't have played him in fantasy football early part of the season. Jordan Howard was easily the one back. He was hammering it every single week. While Sanders was kind of the third down back just in uh, the receiving game. And then as he as the, the rookie season went on, he became more and more involved and then started to take the role, which is why he started to see those MVP games towards the end of the season. You started to see more solid games. So towards the back end of the season, he only busted once. First half of the season, he was busting most weeks. So again, I like the fact that there's a narrative behind why he's busting. It's a very logical one. It's a very easy one. Jordan Howard's not going to be there next year. His competition, as it stands right now, is Boston Scott. Boston Scott, as it stands right now, will get some volume of the ball. I think that situation probably changes. I do think someone else will come in to upgrade Boston Scott. But it's clear that um, Miles Sanders has a role to play in this offense. It will definitely be as a receiving back. That's where he get the majority of his work. The downside of Miles Sanders is that the Philadelphia Eagles are not necessarily known for having one guy pound the rock. No. They very much like a running back by committee approach. They very much like a spread approach. Um, Miles Sanders would be the only back I'd ever be interested in owning in Philly. The slight arrow down for me is he's not going to be the bell cow like uh, some of these guys who we're going to get to on this list, who could be or are. Um, having said that, he's young. I really like buying him in a dynasty league. Um, but I think in a redraft, 14 is little rich. I don't think it's very rich. Um, I think, again, you kind of almost have to throw this data out because it's a season of two halves. First half, he didn't really play. Second half, he played a lot more. And then the more he played, the more snaps he got, the better his numbers were. I mean, it's, it's pretty 101 stuff. I, I just think, I, there's just for me, there's just a few backs here I would invest in more, especially the next two guys we're going to talk about, just because I think there's more safety. But I do think there's upside with Sanders, especially as there's no competition for targets as it stands right now in Philly. Interestingly, I get alerts on my phone from NFL.com and they are all about the Philadelphia Eagles. I must have somehow set the Eagles <laughs> to my favourite team and I don't know how to work it. I can't work out how to change it. We'll have to work it out. So the other day, something popped up about Greg Rosenthal talking about how the door is open for Shady to return to Philadelphia. <laughs> Just, I wouldn't have known that unless I had them selected on my NFL app as my favourite. So... If you do know, get in contact, let me know. It'd be, be great to change that. Moving on, it's the other rookie out of no longer Oakland. He played at Oakland this is rookie season, but he's now Las Vegas Raider. At 15, it's Josh Jacobs. He scored 181.6 fantasy points through 13 games, averaging 14. He was taken as the 19.3 running back off the board, had three bust games, eight solid games, and then just two busts. Your three MVP games. Sorry, yeah, I realised I said bust twice. Yeah, three MVP games, two bus games. Uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, uh, season ended early due to injury. Uh, he would have finished above Sanders. That's why I, I feel pretty comfortable taking Jacobs above uh, Sanders. Absolutely no problem at all. Um, I think those three MVP games would have been slightly higher as well. Um, you know, it took him a little bit of time to get going. Mm. And then once he got going. But what I like is the lack of bus games, uh, the amount of solid games there were. Um, yes, I would have liked to have seen more MVP games wasn't a potent offense last year. I think that's the one thing that you you got to take into account. But he he got a lot of touches. I think they might bring somebody in um, to potentially compete. Well, not compete. Um, to take some of the workload off Josh Jacobs. I mean, they they signed Crowell. He got injured. They brought back Rashard. 
Shard took some touches. And DeAndre Washington was still there as well. DeAndre, yeah. I don't know how many touches he got. If it was north of 20, I'd be shocked. Um, so I think Jacobs is, is rightfully earned the the starting job and the bell cow role. And I think he is still the rookie from last year I'd want to own and target. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him in Dynasty. I like him uh, in Redraft. He for, for me, the path for him to be an RB1 is not difficult to see. Um, you know, for him, you know, he finished... He finished with a better points per game average than Todd Gurley, and had he played uh, all those games, uh, he would have got into the top 12. So I think, you know, there is more upside. It's it's the fact he doesn't bust much I really like, and the fact that if we can just elevate some of those solid games into MVP games, he all of a sudden is elevating himself into the mid-range RB1 conversation. And I think, for me, I'm looking at him as anywhere around 8 to 12 is where... Uh, I kind of see him um, again back end second round. Um, if he felt a third, I'd love it. Um, I think for me, he's that's a a good range to to take him in. Uh, if I was looking at this now, I think I would take. I I take him over Aaron Jones. <laughs> I take him over I, Aaron Jones because I, I know what I'm buying. Yeah, I think I would too. I I, I think because I know what I'm buying. I know what I'm getting. Um, and I think that's important. It just feels scary. <laughs> I it, yeah, I don't it know is. why. It just feels like I shouldn't be. But I, I, I agree. I think Josh Jacobs is easily an RB one next season. I take him over Ingram. I take him over Fournette. I, I take him over Carson. I take him over Gurley. Gurley the second. Yeah. Or Gurley the third. I think. No, it's definitely the second. Oh, it's the second. Man behind the glasses told me. Nice. Okay. So I, I really like Jacobs. Um, Again, he only played 13 games, so that, that's a slight impact on, on his numbers. But um, ultimately, he was very consistent, which is what you really want to see out of a rookie. It's good, solid consistency um, and a lot of volume, which is what he had. So uh, he's an arrow up for me this year. Somebody else who's an arrow up for me this year as well, who was also consistent in the wrong way last year, was number 16, Joe Mixon. Scored 177.8 points through 15 games, averaging 11.9 a game was the 10th running back off the board. He only had one MVP week, which isn't surprising behind that Cincinnati sieve. He then had seven solid weeks and seven bust weeks. Cincinnati's an offense I'm sneakily might be buying some pieces in this year. AJ Green? He won't be there. So who else are you buying? Um, Tyler Eifert? Well, if he's fit. I think think they're a candidate to potentially get Austin Hooper. Oh, that would be dreamy. So that would be tasty. Um, I like Mixon a lot. I think Mixon's a, a good, solid dad. Um, you're going to have Joe Burrow there. I like uh, I like Tyler Boyd. That's fair. I think he's a good uh, receiver. They've got a couple of good receivers. John Ross flashed before injury. He's someone I could be sneakily in, uh, interested in, in taking. Um, they've got a couple of young receivers there as well. I think if they add one in free agency, that could be interesting. I think they're going to acquire some pieces and... It, they could be an interesting team to watch, um, especially if Zach Taylor's going to have more of his own pieces mm-hmm. uh, and more time uh, adjusted. So, um, yeah, Mixon is an interesting player. I mean, on these numbers, it's pretty terrible. He had a horrendous start to the year, um, and again, he sort of rebounded as they as they got through um, and improved and, and sort of built some rhythm and consistency. I mean, it didn't, it didn't really help that. Um, I mean, the one thing that really hurt Mixon last year, first of all, was 
Dalton was balling. Like, he was throwing the ball 53 times. And the way that the scheme was going was, if Dalton's going to throw the ball 53 times, there isn't 20, 30 carries for, for Mixon. No. So he, he was having games where he was getting, like, 10, 11 carries max. So he wasn't getting any rhythm going. And then, you know, when they benched Dalton... On his birthday. On his birthday. <laughs> with Joey P on. Um, yeah, then I think that's when he started seeing uptake because they relied on him more. Also, the other thing you've got to remember is when you're losing a lot of games, you're chasing games, i.e. you're throwing the ball more. So Mixon at no point was in a positive game script. He wasn't in a game script where he was um, being able to be given the ball to see clock out or to reassert a position of victory um, or just winning games. They were behind all the time. And when you're behind, you you just you throw the ball more because you need to get quick scores. You need to sort of just get quick fire scores and you need to get the ball downfield. You need to make things happen. Mm. And you don't do that with your running back. Um, that's game script. I'm not saying they're going to go and win 10 games next year because that, that's a fallacy, right? But under Joe Burrow, I, I can see them winning five or six games. You think of the game script changes that will have that will lead to more touches from Mixon. Um, he's still going to have Bernard behind him and Bernard is still going to eat some some ball he's still going to take touches he seems to do every year i think with mixon i think he needs a fast start touchdowns i think he what was his touchdown number three four last year it was so low mm. like he literally can fall over that number the, the next year and improve so i see positive regression mm. on his touchdown <laughs> numbers i can see positive number in reception uh reception uh and carries and yards so every category for me is a candidate to go up how far he goes up i think that's where a conversation needs to be sort of had, um, but he's better than 16. He's better than these bus games. I think that everything trends up for, for Joe Mixon in, in 2020. Somebody who I'm not sure on in 2021, and it pains me to say, is Phil, Philip Lindsay at 17. He had 174.9 points <coughs> through 15 games, averaged 11.7. He was a 25th running back off the board. He had only two MVP weeks. He had five solid weeks and then eight bust weeks. I think the problem with, with Philip Lindsay is Royce Freeman. And I think also he had a couple of different quarterbacks last year. And I think that's a, a really big issue. So I think when you've got all of those problems, it's hard to see what happens. And same is going to happen again this year. Um, Philip Lindsay has by far massively outperformed where he was drafted. He was an undrafted free agent. He 1,000 yards in his uh rookie season mm-hmm. went to the pro bowl backed up with another 1000 yard season i think he's someone that he's just a very solid pick for me he's a bottom end rb2 that's not going to change this year i'd feel quite comfortable drafting him in the 22 to 26 range mm-hmm. i think that for me is a good range to draft him in he's going to have bad weeks he's going to have some okay weeks um he could be one that benefits if royce freeman moves out of town or if Royce Freeman, they decide that they're just going to give more volume to Lindsay. But working on the assumption, he, he is going to lose volume to Freeman. He is at best a, a running back 22 to 26 because he is going to lose you weeks. And that is a. That's the, the nature of a bottom end RB2, and that's the nature of the position we're playing in. But I do really like him as a player, and I really admire what he's done to get into the league and to be the sensation he has. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a slight on him as a player. I just think there's better options. Absolutely. Right then. 
Kenyon Drake comes in at 18 with 173.4 points through only 13 games. He averaged 13.3 and was the 32nd running back off the board, and that was because he wasn't an Arizona Cardinal at the time. Yeah, I mean, his numbers are pretty much not worth talking about. Three MVP games, two solid games, eight bust games. Um, I think he played six or seven games in Miami where he was a bust every single week before he uh, moved to Arizona. Um, and then all of a sudden he started to, to really dominate. A um, lot of questions around Drake, around is he going to be the back? Um, is Johnson going to be into that this year? Is Johnson going to go? Uh, what about Chase Edmonds? I think the way all signs are pointing is that Drake is going to be signed for another year and that he will be the lead back mm-hmm. in Arizona. And if that's the case, he's a very tasty player to want to take on this year. Um, ultimately, all the values that we have on him to date are pretty useless. What we have is a very small sample size of him in Arizona where he absolutely lit it up, but it's a very small sample size of half a dozen games. I think he has the potential... In Dynasty right now, he's a buy low. I think we bought him in a couple of places in this offseason for what I think is very low prices, and I'm very happy with what we've paid for him. Yeah. Um, I, I would be targeting him with, um, if you can get buy him for third-round picks, that's what I'd be buying with. If you can get him for maybe a second-round pick, I don't hate that either. Um, don't give up a first because he's, he's not worth that. But I think if you can buy Kenyon Drake uh, low at this stage, um, <clears throat> before everything's done with the business, um, I think you should. I think he's he's a massive buy low candidate right now, and I don't think you're going to get him at a lower price unless something happens that deems him to be worthy of that value. He could be anywhere. He could be someone that ends up as an RB one last uh, next year. He's someone that could be an RB three next year. Ultimately, he is pretty risky. He's risky, but it depends on what you're buying him at. If you're buying him at an ADP of 32, he's no risk at all to me. I'm happy to. I'll buy him there. Yeah, for sure. Am I buying him at RB18? I don't know. Part of me really likes it. At this stage, it's a risk at 18. He's more towards that that 26 range based on where it is now and all the don't knows. If Mm. it's all settled down, he's the lead back in Arizona. Yeah, I'd buy him at 18. I think... um, yeah, I'm aboard. I'm aboard. Again, the data we got here with the eight bus games, the majority of them are in Miami. It's it's tough to really judge, but um, like I said, buy buy low on him now if you can, um, because I think there's a chance that we see something special. But it is only that. It's it's a chance. It's not anything set in stone at this stage. But hey, if it's for a third round pick, right, that chance is worth it. A third round rookie pick is yeah, it's, it's a great great piece to give up for 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 that right now. At 19 is Le'Veon Bell with 171.8 points through 14 games, averaging 12.3 points and was the seventh running back off the board. He had zero. Yep, you heard me. Zero MVP weeks. He did have 10 solid weeks and four bust weeks. I mean, when as, as, as long as Adam Gaze is, is in New York, um, I don't want Lev Bell unless he's falling to me in like the sixth round. So he's last year's Leonard Fournette for you. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that saves him is that... His legs aren't made of noodle. Yeah, so he'll play games, like he played 14 games after sitting for a year. Um, ultimately, if he plays one more game, he probably ends up as the RB16, uh, maybe 15. I think Lev Bell, for me, is someone who... There's a lot of safety to him. I'm buying him as the very back end of the RB2 conversation. 
there's no upside. There's no upside to having a bell. Zero MVP games suggest that to me. There's not much that's going to change between what's just happened and next year with Adam Gaze. We've seen it every single year. When was the last time Adam Gaze produced a, a notable fantasy running back? It's, it's not happened. So we just have to assume the left bell is just it's just a piece that exists to produce very mediocre numbers. And for that, it's a very mediocre price. Um, if it's fifth round, sixth round, I'd probably buy him because at least I know he's going to play the majority of the games. True. So he's probably higher than where I had Fournette last year. Um, fifth round, sixth round, if I needed RBs at that stage and he was on the board, yeah, I, I could probably get in at that price. Anything higher, absolutely not. I'll take a rookie. I'll, I'll take a punt somewhere else i think there's many better options than the left bell um at this stage i wouldn't be surprised if i had him as low as rb30 um when i do my rankings when i factor in the landing spots of the new guys etc um based on what's going on on this list um there's a couple of guys behind him i think shoot up um and overtake him as well so one of those guys is one of those guys the next guy in number 20 Devonta Freeman he scored 159.8 points through 13 games averaging 12.3 was the 16th running back off the board he only had two MVP weeks one of those was championship week he has five solid games and then six bus games so it looks like Devonta Freeman is going to be cut from Atlanta they spoke to more rookie running backs than anybody else at the combine um, that Tell that, and we've seen reports that he's going to get cut. Suggest pretty much that he's, he's gone. I don't know where Devonta Freeman's landing spot is. I don't know who buys Le- Devonta Freeman now. Like that's the problem. I think mm. we talked about him a year ago, and we were defending him based on his injury record, and then he has the worst season of his career when it comes to injuries, except for like where he's missed time due to a very significant specific injury. Yep. Um, and that is an issue. I mean, he still played thirteen games, but. That elite production, that elite speed is, is gone. He had absolutely no competition for uh, backfield last year. Ito Smith was a nothing. Yes. Um, you know, he, he had no competition and he was struggling. So, I struggle who picks up that contract. Or, or sorry, not who picks up the contract, but who, who signs him to a contract um, that he'd be willing to sign. I think he's... I won't say he's as far into the Jay Ajayi territory that Ajayi was when he left the Eagles. Maybe someone buys him, but I don't know who. And then it's hard to tell because where is there going to be a better landing spot for him than Atlanta? With a quarterback who is one of the least mobile in the league. With an offensive line that isn't as bad as people make out to be. On a high-scoring offense. Mm. Yeah, I just and... don't see where he goes and has the opportunity to make the impact that he had that opportunity last year. I think he's very much a declining force. He wouldn't he'd be RB three territory for me at best, depending on landing spot. I can see me pushing him lower than that. Um, you know, he shouldn't be busting six times in Atlanta. He just shouldn't. Yeah. That shouldn't be a thing. Um, not behind that O line, not behind that not powered by that offense. It's not exact. It's not like they were putting the ball in the air time and time and time again. No. You know, there was plenty of opportunity for him to to make a name, and also he's a good receiving back and wasn't getting a lot of the work. So, uh, I'm. I think unless something miraculous happens, I'd be out on Freeman next year, barring some sort of miracle buy. Fair enough. 
In at 21 is James White. He had 155 points through 14 games, averaging 11.1 a game. Was the 28th running back off the board. He only had one MVP game this year. He did have 10 solid games and three bus games, though. I mean, he is Mr. Consistency PPR. Um, And this is the third or fourth year in a row he's been somewhere between 10 and 20. Okay, he's just missed out. He's 21 this year. Um, but ultimately, that's what James White does. He catches a lot of balls for yards. That Patriots offense was as bad as it will ever be mm-hmm. last season on, on offense. And he still finished at 21. Um, I think he arrows up slightly. Don't get too excited. He's a solid RB2. It's not amazing. It's not sexy. But he will deliver... Anywhere between 18 and 24 RB numbers. He's we have a sort, little bit of upside. He's the sort of guy you plug in as your RB2 if you've taken a tight end high, filled your wide, you've taken a stud running back and wide receivers, you've got a tight end, and then you think, good Lord, I need I need a running back too. James White's your boy to plug in there because he'll save your day. That's the perfect scenario, right? So if you're not someone that's going to bang and get two RB1s uh, high up the board um, and you decide you're going to go Running back, wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver, you get into round five or round six to take that next running back. James White in a PPR format. And I stress that because in standard, he holds a lot less value. <laughs> um, but the PPR format, James White is exactly that guy to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he's solid. It's not exceptional, 10 solid games. Um, but it will do the job. right number 22 is Marlon Mack he had 154.6 points through 13 games averaged just under 12 at 11.9 was the 19 points that seems low was the 19 20th running back off the board he only had one MVP week however six solid weeks and six bus weeks yeah Marlon Mack is someone who I'm uh, a bit higher on than consensus um you know, he had a couple of injuries and left the games. Um, that accounts for a couple of the bus weeks. Uh, he also had um, an offense that just wasn't really clicking with uh, Brissett. They weren't really getting the ball. No, and, and, and I think they struggled with the news of Andrew Luck retiring. Instantly. 100%. They put them into a bit of flux. And I think we've all seen what Marlon Mack can do. I also was really surprised by his ADP. Um, he's someone that I'd be putting a bit higher up this board. I think for me, there's no reason he can't be a high-end RB2 um, with potential low-end RB1 upside. Uh, he catches the ball well. Um, there is, again, little niggard injury concerns. He probably doesn't play 16 for you, but he probably plays 13, 14 games. No problem. Um, very little competition for um, for touches back yeah. back there. He hasn't got anyone that's really... Uh, Naheem Hines, who might get a few. He'll but he's probably, a pass-catching back. But that's what I mean. He, he's not going to get a lot of... He, you know, he's going to run it in the goal line. Brissett isn't someone who's going to be running a lot in himself. Well, by all accounts, it's not going to be Brissett. And if it's not Brissett, and if it's Rivers, that's he even... He definitely ain't running nowhere. But then, let's put it this way. If it's Rivers, that's a massive arrow up for, for Marlon Mack because, one, Rivers certainly isn't going to be um, mobile, which means they'll rely on it more. Mm-hmm. Two, Mack does have receiving skills, but also, you know, you look at how Phil Rivers' running backs have always produced. They've always produced reasonably well because... They've got a good O-line. Uh, Rivers can sell the play action really well. And before you know it, the ball's in Max hands. He's through 
he's through the line of scrimmage, he's he's through the O line, he's into the secondary, and he can make a nice cut and and run. So I, I really like Marlon Mack, especially if they get Rivers. I think he's one player that massively arrows up in that offense and uh, can can do quite a lot. So um, he's also another buy low candidate for me. I think he's someone that is going in. Uh, fifth to seventh, fifth to sixth round ranges of drafts. I'd be hammering uh, that right now um, and be buying him. I think he's someone that probably towards the end of the off season will probably go in the fourth. Mm. Um, and he's someone that I think has that potential low end RB one upside. This next guy I would not have put as a top two, as a running back two, and that's at twenty three, Carlos Hyde. He had one hundred forty six. Well. 146.9 fantasy points through 15 games, averaging 9.8, A, was the 52nd running back off the board. So he provided you with huge value if you drafted him or picked him up off the waivers. He did, however, have zero MVP weeks, eight solid weeks, and then seven bust weeks. Yeah, I th- and I think the thing with with Hyde is Hyde is. I'm not a big fan of Hyde. Never have been. Um, what do we think Lamar Miller's doing next year? Well, I. Th- if you're talking about landing spots for Melvin Gordon, I think Houston's one. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that on Tuesday. Knowing what Bill O'Brien is like, um, I think they sign another running back. I don't know what goes on with Lamar Miller. Maybe they cut him. I don't know what his um, his cap number is this year um, or whether they can get away from that contract. Hyde is a good complimentary slash backup back. I think that's his role. He's, he's someone that come in as a backup back. That's what he did at the Chiefs. Um, I think for interests and purposes, that is effectively his role in this league. And I mean, you've, you've kind of seen it here. He effectively was the RB1 on his team. And he had eight solid games, seven bus games, and no MVP games. I think if you're drafting him as the RB23, you're drafting him at his absolute ceiling. Um, I think he has he's arrowed down for me. He's an RB3 who somehow sneaks into the RB2 conversation. Um, could be irrelevant next year. Very much could be. He's definitely a player that um, I don't mind. I think um, there's one of our listeners who's in a draft now and um, he was still available at the 13-14 turn. And I said, that's probably not a bad spot to draft him because I think he has a role yep. and I think he'll do something at round 13-14. So that's, you're already... Like round about pick one fifty. Yeah, I think I think at that value I'd buy him. Um, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm taking him in the top hundred picks. No, not for me. Right on to twenty four. This one's going to be interesting, Murph. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. It's David Montgomery. (coughs) He scored. 140.6 140.6 fantasy points through 15 games, averaging 9.4 a game. He was the 20th running back off the board. He had two MVP weeks, four solid weeks, and then a whopping nine bust weeks. So we're looking at 29 running backs. Nobody in those 29 running backs had more bust games than David Montgomery. Now, you're looking at part of it was an inept offense with Mitch Trubisky. There seems to be some talk of uh, Teddy Bridgewater to the Bears. I don't hate that at all. I think that's a solid uh, move for all parties involved. Mm. Um, I have not heard that, but I like it. Yeah, I I think for me that makes some sense. Um, I think they they look at getting another wide receiver in. Um, You've already got Robinson and Miller. 
get a decent tight end in. Again, Austin Hooper's another name that's been touted. But when does Trey Burton's money run out? Yeah, but Trey Burton's a nothing. Yeah, but they paid him. Yeah, I know. So, well, they've got money to do it. Um, but ultimately, they need another intermediate weapon there. They need a deep ball threat. In fact, Henry Ruggs, I mean, they don't have a first-round pick, so that throws that idea out. But but depending on which draft you go by, Ruggs might be available <laughs> in the second. So, I don't know. I, I just, for me, I, I want no part of Montgomery. He's going to go too high. I think people are going to hammer him in the fourth round and look at that and think he's a great opportunity because he's he's only got Tyreek Curran to be out. But ultimately... He had all that opportunity and still busted nine of nine of fifteen weeks and finished as the RB twenty four. So I, for me, he's got absolutely nowhere to go. I mean, he'll, he'll, he see. I disagree. I think he could be better next year if the quarterback is better. Why? Because I just think they'll they'll score more points. Because Matt Matt Nagy's no mug. I think he can run an offense, and I think. Mitchell Trubisky isn't a starter in the NFL. And I think if they get somebody competent... I'm not saying David Montgomery, listen, I'm not saying he's going to blast into the RB1s. I think he's got a case to be a top-end RB2. But, this, I mean, let's, let's, let's look at this team, though, because they weren't... Oh, no. They weren't terrible last year. Like, everyone's making them out that they were just absolutely awful. But what was their record last year? Were they 7-9? and nine? I have no idea. Last year, I've erased everything from last year. No, I'm joking. Last year, they were... I'm trying to put it up now. Okay. 8-8. Eight and eight. So, they finished 8-8 eight and eight last year. So, he had plenty of opportunities in games where they were winning to carry the ball and, and have that opportunity. You know, David Montgomery wasn't somebody who just, you know, didn't didn't play much. You know, he had pretty much the whole backfield... To himself, I mean, if I look at his numbers and pull them up, well, Tyreek Tyreek Cohen would have been the major receiving threat to to David Montgomery, wouldn't he? Because that's what Cohen. But David Montgomery had two hundred and forty-two rushing attempts and and twenty-five receptions off thirty-five targets, and he only averaged in PPR. He averaged ten fantasy points a game. Off 242 attempts. Is his attempts really, if with a better QB, going to go north of that? Yeah, maybe. He he gets another 20, 30 attempts. Maybe he's pushing 270. He's not a 300 back because Tariq Cohen's there. Okay. His rushing average last year was 3.7. That offensive line isn't that bad. It's not. I'm not saying it's the best in the league, but it's certainly not the worst. I don't see where Tyreek Cohen, he ended up with, oh, Dave Montgomery, he ended up with six TDs. That sort of range of outcomes is about where he ends up again. Maybe he gets one or two more, maybe he loses one or two more. But he's looking at two TDs aside. I don't see where Montgomery's numbers massively climb. He might get an extra, he might get an extra 1,900 yards. Okay. We can we can address this in the I, I just yeah I, in the I, running back I, fight episode which is definitely happening. I mean I, I see that I can see why people like him because he's got volume, but he might get better in the sense of his his yards per game might go up, maybe, or yards per carry might go up. But there isn't a lot for me to love about Montgomery. I think he had every every opportunity to succeed last year and didn't do it, and I think that's my. 
concern. That is my concern. Um, had he been, had, and, and I take the point on board about the quarterback play, but you know that would have just meant they would run the ball more. Yeah. No. I, okay. All right. It's time for twenty-five or twenty-four B, depending on how you look at it. Fire the cannons, Murph. It's your boy, Ronald Jones the second, with 140 fantasy points through 15 games, averaging the same as Monty at 9.4. He was, however, the 50th running back off the board, had zero MVP weeks, seven solid weeks, and then just, well, I say just, he then had eight bus weeks. Yeah, I know. and listen, when you're buying, we took him in quite a few places, given the fact that we thought he was better than his ADP. It was speculative at that point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and I don't mind throwing in, and I think this is about Rojo's ceiling. Um, you know, he had to beat out Peyton Barber, and he couldn't necessarily do that. I think Rojo was better. I think he improved leaps and bounds. Uh, he started to catch balls, which is something he wasn't doing. Seven solid games producing shows the fact that he can do it but ultimately what he wasn't trusted to do was to be the guy to be the number one and that's an issue and the other thing you've got there is you've got Bruce Arians so every time he didn't make a block that he was supposed to or there was a, a failed assignment or failed alignment where he didn't do what he was supposed to do he was pulled that was the end of his game good night we're going to run with Peyton I think the Bucks draft a running back to add competition. I don't think his opportunity is going to get any better. So let's say the Bucks draft somebody like a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins, one of the big guys in this draft. Do you think they're competition for Rojo, or do you just think they eradicate Rojo? I think they're competition for Rojo. I think maybe Rojo's role might decrease. Um, I think Rojo, they, at the end of the day, I think what they really want is a receiving back and... Uh, what, what Rojo has going for him is the home run. If he finds the hole, they improve the offensive line. He's the sort of guy that can take it to the house. On the flip side of that, um, the downside of him is he just doesn't do it consistently enough. He doesn't find the hole. He's really struggled to adapt to the NFL level. So I think he's someone that is a bit... I, th- I think this is his ceiling. Is that 20... 24-25 mark. If they don't take another running back, they don't sign one, they don't draft one, Rojo, for me, has top-end RB2 uh, uh, upside because there'll be very little competition. Okay. But, yeah. Well, there it is, Rush Nation. There is your second, well, your RB2s. We've got a list of four people now, Murph. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, and James Conner. I'll this, just blitz through these really quickly. This is your soapbox far away. So, the reason I put these four, because these four are interesting for a number of different reasons. Melvin Gordon was the 26. He finished just two points behind Montgomery and Jones. Um, he only played 11 games because of that holdout. He had a better average points per game. He was taken at a higher ADP than Jones, but lower than Montgomery. Um, one MVP game, six solid games, four bus games. Ultimately, depends on where he goes. Um, I think that elite Melvin Gordon, that what we saw from a few years ago, is probably gone. I do think he has a role to play in the NFL, depending where he lands and depending on how much he gets paid. If he's the elite loan back, he's a high-end RB2. If he's not, he's an RB3. Okay. Um, but I, I put him in here because it's interesting um, that he was consistently average. Um, and everyone will buy him on a name. They'll see him go to somewhere like, oh, let's just throw a place out there, Atlanta. right? Everyone will look at that and go, oh my God, he's landed in Atlanta. He's the number one. He's going to cream it. Mm, I'm not sure. 
Will he be an upgrade on Devonta Freeman? Yes. Is he going to be a top 12? That's the part I'm not sure on. I think people will draft him as a top 12 running back if he goes to somewhere like Atlanta. I'm not so sure. The data here suggests that he's just as likely to bust in a week as he is to be solid. And there isn't that necessary upside. I mean, I know the O-line in in LA wasn't great, but I'm not convinced that 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 upside is there. Raheem Mostert at 27. I mean, the games you have to kind of take out because there was a lot of games he kind of had a couple of carries and then he absolutely took off towards the end of the season and then the um, NFC Championship game, etc. But, you know, he did have what I've highlighted here is he had three MVP weeks during the season and four solid uh, weeks. And those bus weeks away, he wasn't getting that many touches. I do think if he gets the one, if he gets to be the one, he's not be two for me. The risk will be they tend to run by committee. But he's definitely someone that should be on people's uh, radar because he delivers massive upside. You should probably draft him as a piece to not necessarily start every week, but to have off the bench to really take advantage. Um, and if he blows up, he blows up. So I think if you can land him as sort of your fourth RB um, and he's going at a good price, I, I think I'd be hammering it. Devin Singletary um, came in at 28. He had zero MVP weeks, uh, seven solid weeks, five bus weeks. Everyone's leaning towards Singletary being the big person to move up next year. There's going to be potentially no Frank Gore there. I curb your enthusiasm slightly <laughs> on that because I don't think he's going to get the touchdowns. He had just two uh, rushing touchdowns last year. That number might go up to three or four, but ultimately Frank Gore had two. Um, Josh Allen. Devin Singletary had two. Josh Allen had eight. Okay. So I don't see where there is that, or maybe even nine. So I don't, I don't see the touchdowns that will get him into those MVP weeks. So I don't see him winning you a lot of weeks. Um, potentially, I can see him producing more solid performances. Um, and I do think they potentially bring a back in there to take some of that workload away. I don't think he's a bell cow. So I can see that um, mid range potentially RB two, depending on where the rookies land, maybe low end. I, I wouldn't be drafting him in the top three or four rounds. Lastly, the really interesting one is James Conner. Um, he only played 10 games. Um, three MVP games, uh, three solid games, four bus games. A couple of those were due to injury. Um, if he is the number one back in the Steelers, he's better than that ranking. Oh, 100%. We've seen it before. It's it's the Steelers rather than... <coughs> than the player behind the line is the line and the scheme that, that makes it work there. I mean, people massively overpaid for him last year. Um, he came off the board as the um, running back six, running back seven. Um, I think um, there's going to be an overcorrection this year. They'll probably see that number four somewhere between 16 and 24. I think if you can get him around 20 to 24, I think that's a good buy um, and take the risk. Um, provided they haven't um, bought in another back in free agency. If they draft another back, he could take a hit, but ultimately, I I think he's shown that he has talent. And again, those three MVP weeks show that he he does have that elite production to win weeks. So again, if you're drafting him as that 16 to 24 is your RB3, RB4, I think he, that's a great piece to have him, maybe even as your second RB yep. if you've gone and abandoned RBs uh, early. That's not bad. If he's your one RB, I think... You might struggle, but on the whole, I yeah, I do. Um, 
I do think he's better than 32. So oh, it's one to point out. Massively, massively. Murph, man, these, these uh, analysis shows have taught me an awful lot about fantasy football. So, I, you know, if I you're teaching that. me, we're teaching Rush Nation, and I'm sure they appreciate it as much I'll, as I do. I'll post the charts out on Twitter, um, on the channels, um, so that people can see the charts as they they listen through. It's quite data-heavy. Um, so I'll definitely post them so people can see um, and go through them and understand them. And if there's any questions, just get in touch with me. Uh, either at Five Year Rush or at Murph underscore NFL, and I'm happy to uh, answer any of those questions and uh, hit us up, and we'll go through it. And yeah, it, the, the part of this is massively going to help my tears. This is going to be my tiebreaker for tears. Yeah, I'm excited to start firing mine up. But that's it. We've done it. Running backs onto wide receivers, but that'll be at another point in the future coming. Murph, this has been a lot of fun. Don't forget to check out helmethouse.co.uk. Use the code 5YardRush for 5% off your order. Murph, I'll chat. We will chat every day, including the weekend. Rush Nation, you will be back Tuesday. But don't forget, as always, keep rushing. all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.